Welcome to CRE Success, the podcast, where we help people working in commercial real estate achieve their professional goals. Check us out online at CREsuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now here's your host, Darren Krakowiak. Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of CRE Success, the podcast. My name is Darren Krakowiak and I am here for two reasons. Firstly, we are back with season two next week and I wanted to release this bonus episode to let you know about the fact that we'll be back with more episodes from next week. So you're ready to start listening to us once again at the same time every week. But secondly, it's our birthday. I launched CRE Success on April 9th, 2020, and I want to celebrate by giving you a present. And that present is 10 ways to kill it in commercial real estate. I've got 10 ways which will help you gain the attributes and also take the actions which are required to absolutely kill it in commercial real estate. Now, before I share that with you, I just want to tell you a little bit about season two, which starts next week. This season, we're taking a little bit of a different approach to CRE Success, the podcast, because we're interviewing not only commercial real estate professionals, but also subject matter experts who don't work in our industry, but have expertise that can help people in our industry succeed. I hope that you'll join us for season two, and I hope that you enjoy the new format. For now, though, let's get into 10 timely ways to help you kill it in commercial real estate. By the way, don't worry about taking notes. I want you just to listen and enjoy. And towards the end of the episode, I'll be sharing with you how you can get your hands on the list, along with even more resources to help you implement more quickly. So just listen for now, and I'll be back in 22 minutes to share that resource with you. Let's get into the 10 ways to kill it in commercial real estate. And number one is to make more approaches. So the idea here is to spend more time on revenue generating activities, specifically things like consistent, persistent and proactive outbound prospecting. So you can fill your pipeline and then make more sales. The more opportunities you have, the more business you can do. Now, one key piece of advice that I'd recommend to put this into action is to schedule your prospecting activity. Ideally, Make sure it's happening every single day and make sure it's on your calendar. If something else comes up that you need to do, you can reschedule it, but don't just delete it. Make prospecting a non-negotiable activity that happens every day. Another thing that you can do is audit your calendar. Are you spending more time on other less important activities? We've all got competing demands on our time, but if revenue generating activities are what's most important for you to achieve the results that you're looking for, You can look at your calendar and then reprioritize if you're spending too much time on other activities that are taking you away from revenue generating activities. Um, So number one, make more approaches, do more prospecting. Um, If you want some help with this, I've got a whole episode of CRE Success, the podcast, which is about prospecting. The details of that episode is going to be shared with you in the list that I email towards the end of today's workshop. So I can see a couple of people have come in late. You're going to get this list emailed to you towards the end of today's workshop. There'll also be Q&A, so um, you don't need to furiously write down everything. You'll get the list towards the end. All right, let's get into number two. And number two is to create more leverage. And when I say leverage, I don't mean in terms of LTV, loan to value or borrowing power, but I mean in terms of producing greater results from one single activity. 
And the way I would like to suggest that you could do this is via social media to reach more people and accelerate the know, like, and trust process at scale. So I've got a method that I call grow, show, and know your network, and it works really great on LinkedIn, and I'd like to share it with you right now. So the grow part of grow, show, and know your network is to connect with people who you'd like to have in your network. So don't be one of those people who just sits back and waits for people to connect with you. Be someone who's in control of your network and proactively invites people to join it because your network is your net worth, as they say. The next step is to show your network, and that is to share content that is relevant to the people who you want to develop a relationship with. So one tip on sharing content, the best posts enter a conversation that is already going on in someone's mind. So what is it that people in your network, in your marketplace, in your industry, in your niche are already thinking about? If you know what that is, then talk about that. And one more tip about the content that you share to show your network um, content is not just posts, right? So don't think that you need to spend 30 minutes, an hour creating this perfect post. You can definitely make content by commenting on other people's posts because when you comment on other people's posts, that's a piece of content. And um, it's a far less labor intensive way than, um, you know, creating new content yourself. If that's, you know, it's one way to get in the game if you like. So grow, show. The third part is to know. And know is just starting up direct conversations with people, whether that's um, via direct message or initiating a conversation with someone off LinkedIn. And, you know, the real point of being on LinkedIn is to get people off it and into the real world and into your pipeline. And I think the great thing about starting these conversations directly with people is that you've already kind of warmed them up through the grow and the show part. So um, it will make the no like and trust process move more quickly because of all that leveraged work you've done to get in front of them before. It's not one-to-one, -one, it's one-to-many. Um, another advantage of this is when you call someone who's already connected to you on LinkedIn, it's not a cold call, it's a warm call because you've already broken the ice. And I know that I'm much more likely to make a call that's warm than a call that's cold. So this strategy can also encourage you to um, do number one, which was to make more approaches. Let's get into number three on the list, and it is to share your outlook. And I don't mean to share your email, but I mean to have an opinion on things that matter. Now, nobody knows what the new normal is going to look like. So, you know, work from home, whether that's how much we're going to be working from home, um, e-commerce, whether that's going to completely take over from bricks and mortar, um, hospitality, when that's going to be back up to the levels it was pre-COVID-19. But having an informed opinion will add to your credibility. So one way that I um, generated attention when I was first launching CRE Success was I made some predictions about COVID-19 and what it would mean to office landlords, office tenants, and to commercial real estate service firms. Now, is there a risk that your predictions will be proven wrong? Um, yes, there is. But I think that um, the arguments that I put forward at the time made sense and they started conversations. And I very much doubt that anyone's going to dig through my content and say, hey, you said this and it didn't happen. If they're doing that, they're very interested in you and they're probably already a, a supporter. So it's not a bad thing. Um, I think having done a bit of research about these topics and put some thought into it meant that I was capable of having better conversations with people uh, about, about topics that are relevant um, in the industry. So I think, um, you know, really share your outlook, your perspective matters. There are things that you know better than anyone else. And if you don't believe that you know some things better than anyone else, then you should make it your business to become the go-to authority. Um, so when people uh, think of a topic, they go to you. And then people will take more notice of you when you have something to say. And when that happens, um, you know, ultimately 
you'll lead, you'll become the trusted voice in your marketplace, in your niche. Number four is a commitment to learn and grow. And I think one of the most important decisions that you can make that will help you kill it in commercial real estate is to make the decision to adopt a growth mindset and a plan to acquire new skills on an ongoing basis. And this means that you're making a commitment to learn and grow. I think we've all seen um, arrogant people who think they know it all. And I think the problem is the second you start to think you know everything is the moment that you stop learning. And um, if you don't learn, you can't grow. And anyone who thinks they know it all are proving they don't know very much really by the fact they have that point, they have that thought in the, in the first place. Um, what I would encourage you to do is to have to think about what it is that you want to learn. So what gaps do you have in your current repertoire of skills? Um, once you know what it is, then do something about it and close the gap that you have. Um, you know, for me, when I started CRE Success, I felt that I had the experience in leadership, coaching and mentoring to help others, but I still decided to go back to university and study executive coaching at the postgraduate level to make sure I really understood the craft. So for yourself, have a think about how the market has changed and whether your skills reflect that. Um, consider the times that a client's asked you a question and that you couldn't confidently answer. Those moments really uncover learning and growing opportunities. And I think the great thing about having a growth mindset is, is that you open yourself up to the possibility to learn and grow in general. And that means that you'll be better able to spot learning and growing opportunities when they arise, including ones which may be a bit of a blind spot. And this matters because when your witnesses are sort of weighing you down, um, your strengths can't really gather full steam. So um, I think if you start from the humble position of knowing that you always have a lot more to learn, that you have a much better chance of uh, of killing it in commercial real estate. Let's move on to number five. And number five is one of my favorites. It's be magnanimous. What a great word, magnanimous. And I don't know about you, but I feel like manners and politeness standards have slipped over recent years. When you're magnanimous, you set a really high standard of decorum. You're the person who maintains their cool when everyone else loses it. Now, I heard about magnanimity from a person who was more senior than me in the market uh, back in Korea in 2015. So this is when I was appointed as country head of CBRE. It was a big jump up. I went from managing a team of 22 people to over 300 people. And, um, you know, I at least had the humility to know I still had more to learn about leadership at the time. And I had the self-awareness to know that I should go and seek out advice from people who are more experienced in leadership than, than I did. And, you know, a side tip is ask people for help. People sometimes will help you. Um, one of the best pieces of advice that I got at the time was about the importance of being magnanimous. And that is to be generous or forgiving, especially towards a rival or towards someone who is less powerful than you. So there are often opportunities to be magnanimous. They come up all the time. Um, when I notice someone is being unreasonably rude or acting in a way which lacks self-awareness, or even if they're deliberately trying to poke me and engage in an argument with me, what I try to think is, what would this interaction look like to an impartial observer? And my goal is for that impartial observer to admire my, um, my actions in that moment. So that really helps me maintain my composure. And um, it really helps me have that self-awareness because self-awareness is a lot about understanding how your actions are perceived by others. Um, as I think of that imaginary third party watching the conversation I'm in, I can take some pleasure from knowing that that person could only conclude that I was handling the other person's poor matter with a great deal of magnanimity. It's not about being weak, it's about taking um, the high ground. Um, now, just for the record, um, in case there's some people uh, on the call who know me, yes, there are many examples when I haven't taken the high road and I've taken the bait. 
Um, but I'm quite pleased to say that I'm getting better. Um, there are fewer and farther between those occasions. Certainly, uh, you know, since I've quit drinking, um, I'm less likely to take the bait and more likely to rise to, um, you know, be magnanimous. So I just wanted to check in. We've already gone through five um, of the 10 ways to kill it in commercial real estate. I'd love to hear which one was most relevant to you in the chat. So number one was to make more approaches. Number two was to create more leverage. Number three was to share your outlook. Number four was to commit to learn and grow. And number five was to be magnanimous. So if you can type maybe the number, which most resonated with you, or even just the word like, you know, approaches, leverage, magnanimous, learn and grow. Um, let me know which of the five ways to kill it in commercial real estate that we've shared so far has been most helpful for you. Um, so Sam says, learn and grow. Lisa says, learn and grow as well. More approaches from Laura. Um, Kathy says, number four, commitment to growth. Spencer Richard says, magnanimous, well spelt Richard. Um, and they're rolling through many more. Good variety, actually. So um, I'm glad. That's why there's 10, right? I didn't tell you the one way to kill it in commercial real estate. I've got to tell you the 10 ways to kill it in commercial real estate so um, we can really find what it is that resonates for you. Many more, create more leverage, magnanimous, number four, number two, number three, number one, number three, more approaches. Um, thanks, everyone, for, um, for sharing. I'm going to ask you to share it again later in today's presentation. All right, let's go. Number six, um, keep your ego in check. All right, if you're a fan of the movie Anchorman, one of my favourite comedies, you'll remember that Ron Burgundy first meets Veronica Corningstone at a pool party and she snubs him and he asks her, do you know who I am? And when she says no, he tells her, I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. <laughs> it's a very funny moment. But um, even though in the movie Ron does get the girl, in reality, I think he'd be well advised to keep his ego in check. Now, the bigger point I'm trying to make here is about social media. And the idea is to post content that isn't all about you. Instead, try to help your audience and do it in a way that demonstrates your capability, not just in a braggadocious way that, you know, is listing deals that you've done. And one thing that you can do is ask yourself before you post, what's the purpose of this content? Does it demonstrate authority? Does it make you more approachable? Does it um, improve awareness on a topic that is relevant um, for your audience or relevant to your business. Now, if it doesn't do one of those three things, maybe you should ask yourself if it's really worth posting. And if you do have to post um, about deals that you've done, about wins that you've had, um, or whatever the case is, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with celebrating wins. but And that certainly falls under the category of authority, right? But I think that it's important to make sure that your content mix includes some posts which also aren't too self-congratulatory. Um, and so I think, yes, have some of those, but also include posts that are about um, authority building, um, but also approachability and which build affinity um, and, and demonstrate uh, awareness for topics that are important for your audience. Okay, let's get into number seven. Number seven in the list is to be kind to your mind. Um, I think we all know that if we feed your body junk food all day, every day, it's going to have an impact on your body. And I think your brain also needs to be healthy. You need a healthy diet. So if all you feed it is social media, sensationalist news, Netflix, Netflix binging and reality TV, it's not going to have the nutrients that it needs to perform at an optimum level. So you can be kind to your mind by placing a cap on the amount of bad stuff that's allowed into your brain, the same way that you can limit calories and sugar and fat that goes into your body. I'm not saying that you should never drink Coca-Cola or never eat pizza, um, but 
you should have a balanced diet and it should be the same for your brain. And I think when you have a more balanced um, diet for your brain, there's going to be less negativity that's weighing on your mind. Now, if you can't control yourself, here's some things you can do. You can place time limits on certain apps on your phone. So I've got a one hour limit every day on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn combined. That's the one hour in total I'm allowed to spend on my phone on those three apps. So you can easily do that in your phone settings. You can turn off notifications from certain apps on your phone. So you know the ones that distract you that you look at and you can't help but get into? Turn those off and that will stop you from being tempted to get away from what it is that you're focused on. I think it's kind of like, you know, when you keep chocolates in a drawer rather than keeping them on the table, you're less likely to eat the whole block when they're locked away. So similar to, um, to that, just stopping the temptation with notifications or, or limiting time. Um, the next step then is to replace all that negativity or junk that was previously going into your mind with good stuff. And when you're putting great stuff in there, just make sure you remind your mind of what it is. And you can do things like, you know, underline things in books or, you know, write things down, um, whether it's in a journal or on a post-it note. You can put quotes into your calendar that can pop up as reminders, as regular pieces of inspiration. Um, I think that's going to help you do two things. One, it will help you retain the information that resonated and it will begin the process of changing um, your thinking patterns and forming new habits. So effectively, yes, you are brainwashing yourself, but if you don't like the idea of brainwashing, maybe think of it as reorientating your thoughts to achieve greater success. Okay, number eight is to find your tribe. We've got three more to go. So um, the point here is to focus on serving the clients you like working with and who like working with you better rather than trying to be all things to all people. So one thing that's important to remember is that you can't win them all, right? And to be frank, if you've got a 100% success rate in terms of bids that you're doing, you're either running a monopoly or your prices are too low. So stop trying to please everyone. I think when you try to serve everyone, you end up being relevant to no one. So I think you've just got to accept that there are some people who are just not going to gel well with you. And, um, you know, I was at an event last month and I probably had six in-depth conversations. I'd say five of them went really well. I could see myself, um, you know, having a further relationship or business opportunity with those five people, but one didn't go very well. And I, I noticed that I was falling into the trap of dwelling on the one that didn't go well instead of focusing on the fact that I'd made five new good connections. Um, once I noticed it, I, I stopped dwelling on it. Um, I think the amount of energy that you'll expend in trying to work with someone who isn't a good match is um, far more energy than you'll expend trying to work with people who are. So focus on the people who are the right people for you to serve. Forget about those people that are outside your tribe and you're more likely to you know, achieve the success that you're looking for much more quickly. This is number nine right now. We're nearly at the end of the carton. Hopefully none of the eggs are broken yet. Um, number nine is to master video. So this is one which you probably already think you know how to do, right? You know how to do a Zoom call. You're on this right now. Um, you know how to film a, a, a video on your phone. But what I would suggest is that you could probably do better on this if you spend a little bit of time on it. Now, here's a prediction. I think that Zoom and Teams are not a temporary fad. I think that video pictures and video meetings um, are going to become more common. I think interstate and overseas travel will become less frivolous than it was in the past. You know, I can remember when I was living in Korea being invited to a work dinner in Hong Kong and I went to that dinner and I flew back the next day. That was the only reason for the trip. Um, I don't think that kind of travel is going to be as common in the future, at least for the, the short to medium term. Um, so therefore, I think it's in your interests to take some time to master the medium of video. And one way to do this is to watch yourself 
back on Zoom. So how do you come across on video? Um, is the video positioned correctly? Um, how's the lighting? Um, is the audio clear? Are you repeating certain words a lot? Or do you have any mannerisms which you didn't realise which are really quite distractive to watch on the call? Now, if you do a lot of video calls and you can potentially make a lot of money from video calls, then I would recommend investing in a setup. So it might cost you a few hundred dollars, but get a decent webcam, get a microphone, you know, get some soft lighting that works at night time. Um, I think if you do that, you're going to really stand out amongst your competitors who haven't bothered to set it up. Um, and it could really make you just come across as more professional and people will be focused on what you're saying, not focused on the fact that there's poor lighting, poor audio, or that, you know, the, um, the position of the camera isn't right. Number 10, we're nearly at the end. Um, number 10 is to set ambitious goals. So this one might seem a little bit cliche, but I do think it's true. If you target 3% growth, how likely do you think it is that you're going to double your revenue? Probably not very, right? Um, but if you set a target to double your revenue, then the thinking that you have to have and the processes that you put in place are going to be much different than if you targeted just 3% growth. And that kind of thinking and planning will increase the likelihood that you'll achieve greater growth. Now, I do think that targets should be realistic and I'm comparing 3% and 100% as an example, but there is some truth to the saying that if you aim for the moon, you're likely to reach the stars. So one other thing on ambitious goals is um, 2021's already started. We're nearly two months into the year, but it's never too late to set a specific stretch goal target or to review existing goals or targets that you've set. So if your goals are looking like they're going to be easily met, if you underestimated the ability of yourself to do something, then it's worth, um, rather than being content in the knowledge that you're going to reach that goal and risk complacency setting in, maybe you should say, well, what's a better new ambitious target that I can set based on what I know now, which better reflects what is a possibility for this year. Um, now, if you've already set really big goals, firstly, well done. And secondly, I would suggest that you go back and ask yourself this, um, what kind of person will you need to be in order to achieve those goals? Going back to the example of 3% versus 100% growth, um, not only will you need to do things differently under each plan, but you may actually need to become a different type of person in order to hit a 100% target than you would to hit a 3% target. So um, here we go. That is the top 10 ways to kill it in commercial real estate. There's the 10 um, items on screen. I'm going to send you this list in about 24. 25 minutes, automated email will come through with the list. Um, I'd love to hear which one that you would like to, uh, that, that most resonated with you. Um, was it make more approaches, number one? Was it two, create more leverage? Three, share your outlook. Four, commit to learn and grow. Five, be magnanimous. Six, keep your ego in check. Seven, be kind to your mind. Eight, find your tribe. Nine, master video. Or 10, set ambitious goals. Um, if you can type into the chat for me, which of the top 10 ways to Kill it in commercial real estate was um, the most helpful to you. Number eight, find your tribe. Number eight. Number 10, set ambitious goals. Two, create more leverage. Five and 10. Two from Matt, thank you. One, uh, set ambitious goals. Eight and 10. Eight, four, commit to learn and grow. Um, two, create more leverage. Four, five, nine. Um, a lot of different um, differences. Three, um, again, that's why we've got 10. So, um, you know, to help people. Um, in, in the way that they need help. Um, 
one and two says Yankos three. They're still coming through one. Um, I did get a question that was sent directly to me from Jufiandi. Um, Hi, Darren. Sorry, direct message. Are you saying that we shall become a YouTuber? Um, no, that's that's not necessarily what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that um, I think it's just worth being good at the art of video calls. Um, now, if you want to get good at social media, then getting good at creating content video is a great way to do that. But as a minimum, I would say just get better at Zoom calls because if we're going to be communicating on Zoom a lot more in the future, which I think we are, then being a little bit more intentional about how you appear on Zoom calls and the setup that you have can set you apart from the competition. And there you have it, 10 ways to kill it in commercial real estate as presented in a workshop I held in February 2021. Now, if you'd like to get your hands on the 10 ways to kill it in commercial real estate, along with some steps to help you implement, well, just go to our podcast website, cresuccess.co forward slash podcast. And just under the picture of me looking into the distance, you will see a form to fill in. It says 10 ways to kill it in CRE. Just fill in that form and hit the button and you will get the 10 ways in your inbox right away. And as I said, it does include additional resources to help you implement. And don't worry, we'll never share your details with anyone. So it's perfectly safe. Head on to cresuccess.co forward slash podcast and start implementing the actions and the attributes needed to succeed in commercial real estate. Of course, the other thing that you should be doing is making sure you're subscribed to CRE Success, the podcast. Hit that button in your podcast feed so you're notified when season two hits. This is a bonus episode for season two, but episode one of season two is going to be released next week. It might not be next week if you're listening to this more than seven days after this episode is released. But if you're a, a dedicated listener and you're listening to this relatively soon after it's released, it's next week. So I hope you will join me for season two of CRE Success, the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and I will speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to CRE Success, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to leave us a five-star review. For more information about the show, just check the show notes on your podcast app or visit us online at cresuccess.co.